midfield is locked away. They are ready. Stand by for a start. As magical as this sounds, hearing it doesn't come close. Seeing is believing. The Melbourne Cup Carnival, November 4 to 11. Tickets at Ticketmaster. Count Chivers and Boat from Doremus. Count Chivers, Boat, Doremus. Doremus coming at Count Chivers. Doremus! Doremus got it a neck to Count Chivers. Labiel and Sky Heights are hammering Tongo. Labiel, Sky Heights, they hit the line. Photo. Sky Heights by a nose to Labiel in a flurry as third. And then. Uh, they were Damien Oliver's four Caulfield Cup wins. And of course, Damien Oliver is presented by the Magical Melbourne Cup Carnival from November 4 to 11. Scene is believing general admission tickets. Tickets from $60. Get your tickets now at Ticketmaster. Ollie, great to have you in here. And uh, the Caulfield Cup for you in those 90s, it was your race. So four Caulfield Cups um, within that 90s period. And you were chasing the great Scobie Breezley. We had five. And I remember every year that was a storyline. Can yeah. you equal Scobie? Well, here we are 24 years later and yeah. you got a full one short. And out of respect for Scobie, you've knocked back a heap of offers this year, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, I used to. I remember doing some publicity with him and I say, you got a bloody curse on me for this race, Scobie. I can't beat you. I had four and seven years there and um, had a few placings since, but couldn't manage to knock him off, but um, yeah, it's it seemed easy in the nineties, but pretty hard after that. <laughs> as big a competitor as you are, is there something kind of almost respectful of of, of being happy enough that Scobie retains his record, given the legend of Scobie, or given the look on your face, no, the answer's no. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, and no. If you if you'd given me four before I ever started, I certainly would have taken that. But um, yeah, I mean, we all know what a legend Scobie is, so uh, yeah, it is good for him to still have that record. Four different uh, wins as well. I, I remember uh, your ride in Paris Lane was just absolutely phenomenal. You had, obviously, Doremus on the way to the double. But your first was probably the most controversial with mannerism and and your good mate R.S. Dye out, uh, out in the uh, boondocks. What was going through your mind uh, when you saw him head for the corner like that on Viander Cross? Well, I didn't actually know at the time what he'd done, how he where he went and took off and how wide, because I was on the inside and I couldn't really see where what he'd been doing. But I remember Mannerism had a bit of a um, restricted preparation for that race. I think she had two 1,400-metre runs, ran in the Caulfield Stakes over 2,000 the week before and I think was beaten favourite. So I had a feeling she was a little underdone going into that race. And um, so my objective was just to conserve her as much as I could and give her as soft a run as I could. So I pinched all the ground I could and then tried to come out to the better ground in the straight. And then I saw um, Vianna Cross, it sort of dashed clear, but I could see him at the corner of my eyes sort of weakening. And, um, you know, Mannerism was an old favourite of mine. I was a bit kind to her, but I, I got stuck into her late and we managed to – I wasn't sure if I got there or not, but um, thankfully the photo went our way. Were there discernible boos? What was the crowd <laughs> reaction to Shane? Do you remember what it was like? I don't remember. There had to be, didn't there, Felgo? Well, he uh, was he was six to four favourite, wasn't he, Vianna Cross? Uh, um, I think he was favourite. I'm not sure of the price, but I I wasn't too concerned about what was going on with him. <laughs> I was just pretty happy to win yeah. my first Caulfield Cup. Um, 
That was the rock star era of the Freedmans. That was when they were the Kieran Maher or the Chris Waller. Uh, that was when they were winning everything all the time and you were on half of them. Was it almost, did you have a sense of invincibility with that stable at that time because they were that red hot? They were going that well? They had incredible depth in their good horses. Um, you know, you just go into the stables, it was horses like Mannerism, Scalacci, Naturalism, Naturalism Durbridge. Yep. yep. Um, Super. Superimposed, you know the the good the extraordinary depth of good horses. Yeah. You know, if you get one of those, you're really happy. But to have you know five or six of them was just unbelievable. An incredible era, and that was the year, wasn't it? Um, Ninety two that they won the three majors with three different horses. Mm, it was, yeah. I think I was. Um, I rode Mannerism obviously in that Caulfield Cup, and I was meant to ride Super in the Cox Plate, and then they decided to back Mannerism up in the Cox Plate, so I had to stick with Mannerism and, and Hawley got on um, Super. And so, yeah, it was – but, um, you know, it was a great time to be part of and such an in incredible team. Yeah, and Subby was there as well. So, how, yeah. how did they handle at the time, in retrospect, that rapid rise to, to superstardom? And they were all – like, all the four boys were like – it was just the FBI. Someone coined the phrase FBI. Lee could get a little bit tetchy from time to time, and we all know what Anthony was like, but then Richard would come out and be the, the media face of it. How, how, how did they handle it, in retrospect, that rise to stardom? I think they were really focused and ambitious at the time and you know they're on the on the rise and they're all very hard workers and pretty hands-on too so um and if anyone knows what it's like having brothers you, you don't <laughs> usually get a chance to get a chip on your shoulder so they uh they were they kept everyone you know, all the brothers and everyone around them pretty grounded that was my kind of memory of it all and it was mostly out of one stable the old lean on stable up the top here of leonard crescent wasn't it yeah we kind of ran two well not we they did but um there was one at leonard crescent next to bart cummings's and then there was another one down on fisher parade yep. with the stables down on yep. behind the river there yeah yep. yeah and then they moved to caulfield didn't they they had stables at, at they went a bit ever they had symbol lodge it took over from floyd podgornick at epsom for a while and i That's think right, yeah. anthony or richard richard ran that and yeah, then Mick they Price went... was his um yeah, at the time, yeah. yeah, and Mick Price had Uncle uh, a stable in Shoot Street out the back of an old weatherboard house, and he had so little room that Uncle Chuck, his first good horse, was was literally underneath the Hills Hoist clothesline in the front yard. <laughs> That's a true story. Unbelievable. Uh, talking of big stories, um, Frankie Dettori, he's been in the headlines all year, and he made a bit of a backflip. We know he can do a flying dismount. This is something similar uh, with what his future plans are. You're not quite finished yet. Well, John, you know, when I embarked on this year of retirement, I didn't realise that I was going to be so successful. And uh, like I said, I still got the fire inside me that I want to do it a little bit more. And uh, no better place like California. The weather's nice and you don't have to travel. And uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, I keep to my word. Uh, Saturday is going to be my last one in front of a, a great crowd like Ascot and Champions Day. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm going to shed a tear on Saturday, but it'd be a, a good tear. It'd be a tear of uh, happiness. I don't think many people are overly surprised that he's decided to hold off the It's slightly retirement. awkward, though, isn't it? You know, it's like, the surf's pretty good in Southern California, Ollie. Could you and uh, Frankie hole up there in retirement and spin a few around Santa Anita? Yeah, it sounds all right, but I'm not sure my family would have the same... Uh, uh, quite as flexible as um, Frankie's. Uh, have you spoken to Frankie? Do you um, are, are you friendly with each other, or is it just when you are riding in Melbourne over Cup Week that you might actually speak to each other? Yeah, no, we're, we're friends, but I, we don't really sort of keep in touch, and we usually just catch up when he comes down here. Yeah, or over the years when we've you know travelled and met each other, like in Hong Kong, and you know those jockey series or international mm. meetings.
So there's no chance. You're not going to do a backflip like Frankie, even if you win the Cox Plate now and you win big races over the Melbourne Cup Carnival. Uh, no, I don't think so, Michael. I think I'm pretty <laughs> happy uh, finishing up in Perth in, um, in December. They've named a race in honour of you. Like I think it's the Damien Oliver farewell race or something. You'd be ashamed to win it and then say, well, I'm actually continuing on. So <laughs> you can, when, when they name a race after you, that's it. You're done. Uh, any that's, more thoughts that, about that's, retirement? That, that must be a huge honour for you, though. Um, on your final day back home to have the feature named in your honour. Yeah, it is. I've had great response from, you know, friends and family and um, everyone in WA, um, you know, that I'm going to finish off there and, you know, have a race named in your honour and your last day of riding is, is pretty special. So, yeah, it's where it all started for me and it's nice to finish it off there. Have you got a good ride locked in for that race as yet? Oh, and not locked in, but I've got a, you know... What happens is tend to get through Melbourne first and then the focus switches to Perth. But um, there's a few possibilities, um, but nothing really locked in yet. Um, I know you're keeping your cards close to your chest about life in retirement, but you, as every week goes by, you've got a, another week to think about it. Is there any anything more sort of certain that you can tell us uh, than you weren't able to a month ago? No, nothing further has, has happened. Um, just planning on working for Entain next year and um, I just want to sit back and, and see what's you know, what it's like from the outside looking in for a while. But, you know, I certainly, I'd like to stay involved in the industry for sure. I was going to ask you that. Is there a possibility, because there is a big wide world out there, that you could in, in mostly detach yourself? Are you curious about the world outside of racing? Um, yeah, I'm, it's going to be strange for me because I'm not, you know, I've, I've done it for so long pretty much all my life. So it's going to be tough a bit out weird. There, mate. It's out tough the out there, mate. It's tough out there. But yeah, I am looking forward to having a little bit of a break and, and spending a bit more time with the family and, and that kind of thing. And But I, you're kind of used to being active and I, I understand that it's good to have a purpose and somewhere to go and something to do. So, you know, once I've had a little bit of a break, I'm sure I'll sink my teeth into something else. Will you still be bolt upright at 4am in the morning or will you be able to sleep in? Uh, no, I, I'm not a heavy sleeper, but um, yeah, I think I will enjoy a bit of a sleep in and, and being able to eat and drink what I like. Yep. Yeah, remember, you know, a few of them have really fleshed out badly in retirement, so just be careful. You can give me some tips on yeah. that, Matty. Uh, <laughs> unnecessary drive-by. <laughs> hey, um, Jewess, Cox Plate, the inevitable interesting uh, in the Champions Mile. It's a fair way off, but it's an interesting booking. And Moravia, I had a chat to Wade Burridge this morning about Moravia and the Coolmore, and of that three, uh, I think Moravia is probably the one that you're probably that little bit more excited about. Yeah, they're all nice rides, um, and all horses going well. Um, so yeah, it's it's good to get some some key bookings like that, and certainly something to look forward to in the bigger races. Well, it's great to have a ride in that Cox Plate, isn't it? Because as we've spoken about a co- on a couple of occasions, it's it's tough in the Caulfield Melbourne Cup the way the weights are, but mm. uh, to be in what is the best race of the year as far as the weight for age horses are concerned in a in a Cox Plate, and it looks like it's going to be a cracking addition this year. That that would give you a huge buzz again, wouldn't it? Yeah, it certainly would, and, and she's running well, Joyce. You know, her last two starts have been really good. She's mm. been finding the line strongly. So, um, yeah, nice one to get on. I'm really looking forward to it. I reckon Dane Ripper, we were having a little chat off air about um, poor old Dino's copped a $400 fine for an inappropriate comment. I said, "If you, what was the worst you've ever done spontaneously? And I think we both thought it might have been you might have slipped the F-bomb out after Dane Ripper accidentally. Yeah, I remember doing an interview with Simon Marshall who 
was just recently retired. He was on the pony and actually didn't feel like I was doing an interview. It felt like I was just talking to a, to a mate of mine, which I kind of was, but, um, and the TV cameras were a long way away. But, uh, yeah, I um, might have let something slip that day. You might have, yeah. yeah. I and I, it was a significant enough word that I remember it 30 years later. <laughs> that was one of your great Cox Plate, one of your great big race wins, wasn't it? Because she was... I think the outsider in a small field, and it was the Bart Cummings magic. Did you have much to do with um, trying to convince Bart to run her, or was that Joey Agresta uh, who who forced Bart or basically said, I think you should run her the way she's going in the Cox Plate on Saturday? Yeah, I think it was Joey. He, she was in the Mile Mares race on the same day, and Joey said, I think you got her in the wrong race. So Bart said we could change that and put her in the Cox Plate. I think it was only eight runners that year, and I didn't have a ride. just picked it up uh, on the Tuesday morning and... Um, yeah, she got up at about 40 to 1 or something, I think. Yeah, and you started swearing. <laughs> um, Caulfield Guineas last Saturday, it was, to me it was a funny race. Like, and I reckon Caulfield Guineas is, can be run and won and then all sorts of little stories come out. There was the wind, there was the leader, leader's back, nothing really ran on, but maybe militarised comes out of it as a, as a cox plate horse. Um, what did you make of the, of the Guineas now that we reflect on it? Yeah, I, I think you look at the race and they tended to get their positions pretty quickly and then just sat up. Um, and you don't always know that's going to happen till the race happens. Um, but no one really made a move. They got a great rest in the middle stages of the race and then were able, were able to sprint home quickly. So it made it difficult for the horses in the back half of the race to sort of get into it. Um, but you can't take anything away from the winner. It, it was able to utilise its um, gate speed and, and then rest, and um, it was a good win. Just on Malum, these are the, the next great jockeys that have come after you, and Malum and Zara, the, the really great jockeys have a knack of nailing it when it counts, and Ben to do that in the guineas, because he's always he's always coming off something, Ben. And Mark Zara is another one who went through a bit of a quiet period, and all these horses started drawing wide barriers, and then, bang, he's starting to nail it as well. I guess those two guys in particular have a knack of coming good when the moment's right? Yeah, I think with most most good jockeys, they're prepared to back themselves and, um, you know, really, you know, have a have a crack and back their own judgment in a race because um, quite often you can get a lot of instructions leading into a big race and, you know, while generally while the trainers are, are really good at training their horses and preparing their horses, it's the jockeys that are really riding in the races all the time and against certain jockeys and know the horses they're riding against um, really well. So I find the best jockeys are usually the ones that are prepared to back themselves and, and, and really make a crack and make a decision out there on the day. Do you- there's a bit of speculation about. I'm not going to ask you about it unless you have an opinion about it. But the, the Jamie Carr's just a little bit out of whack at the moment, and we had a chat to Tommy Berry the other day about when he first came back. He, his mental clock was out of whack, and he was missing runs and all that sort of stuff. Was there ever a period in your career, maybe after you broke your back at Werribee that day or something, where you thought, "Wow, I'm not. I'm, I'm just. I'm out of form. I'm basically out of form." Uh, it's not that the horses aren't winning. It's just that I'm. I've <laughs> got to get my rhythm back. Did that. I remember running into a gym that you and I both went to the same gym mm. in South in Port Melbourne at one stage, and believe it or not, and um, <laughs> you were coming back from a really long break, and you said, "God, the, the muscles are just coming back, and it's all it's it's actually a very hard thing to do." Any period where you look back and go, "Wow, that wasn't my time." Yeah, look, I can't remember a specific time, but I think riding horses is such a confidence thing, you know, like, just as I said, backing your own decisions and, and it's also getting on the right horses and, and having the, 
the people around you, the trainers or the owners believing in you as well. So if you haven't really got that and you're not riding a lot of winners, you can sometimes be second-guessing the decisions you're making. Um, and at the, currently, and it happens every spring, you see uh, at springtime you've got all the best jockeys fighting over the best rides. And if you can't get that momentum, sometimes it's hard harder to get going if you're not getting on the right horses. The margin for error is less, isn't it, in spring? Yeah, you I can't mean, afford to make a and you can't You can't be winning on the horses that aren't good enough either. You've got to be getting on the, on the horses that are good enough as well. Did the wind play a factor on Saturday at Caulfield at all? Probably a little factor. It was more a crosswind than a headwind. Uh, it was more of a headwind down the straight. So I felt that probably the best position was probably just behind the leaders with a little bit of a cover. So it was it was a little bit of a factor, but it wasn't a huge factor, I don't think. Was there a big cheer um, amongst uh, all of the, the guys and girls when Bo Mertens managed to get his, his first group one? I think there was, but being the last race, some people had gone home, and I, I was on my way out of the track at the same time. I just bumped into Bo as he was coming the scales mm. and, and gave him a big high five. And, um, yeah, it was, it was great to see for Bo. You know, he's been riding really well. He's a young up-and-coming jockey. Not that young anymore, but he sort of worked hard to get back to, to where he was, and he's, he's riding in great form. So And very popular jockey in the jockey's room too, so it was, everyone was very happy for him. Your transition from claiming apprentice to senior to no claimer to senior was flawless, but there's a few jockeys going around at the moment. Um, Alana Kelly's one that I've always followed who's, who's just going through that tough period where she lost her claim and she's getting a couple of rides up the bush and Bo nearly won the overall title, then got lost in the wilderness and came back and Ethan Brown had a similar thing. Did, when you look back at your transition time, did you was that a difficult time for you or did you just roll through with the Freedmans at that yeah, time? Yeah, I probably went through it as well. I think every apprentice does, some longer than others, because um, you go through that period where you're claiming and getting the, all the best rides so all of a sudden when that claim starts to go you're not getting the rides that you were when you're having the full claim and then no claim and one thing that sticks in my mind is the Freedmans used to tell me that you know you, you're not claiming the full claim now or you're not claiming at all you've got to prove to, you, to yourself and everyone out there that you're just as capable or as good if not better than the jockeys that that don't claim or the, or the full-time jockeys so that's probably when you've got to work at your hardest mm. and it's it's probably not when you're getting the results that you're kind of used to when you're early in your career as well. So it can be a testing time for a, for a young guy or And girl. you had Stephen King going through exactly the same thing at exactly the same time, didn't you? Was that helpful in some way? Um, yeah, well, we were both competitive rivals, so pushing one another. But I, I think I remember the Freedman sending me off to Sydney and Brisbane at different times with the horses just to gaining that experience as well. So, um, yeah, I think that really helped make me as well and, and toughen me up a little bit as well. So just remind us, Stephen King and yourself, but who were the other gun apprentices coming through the ranks when you were starting? Was Lenny Mourned part of that crew? Uh, Lenny's a bit before my time. There was um, Tommy Arnold, Stephen Arnold's brother. Um, also Mark Flaherty was about a similar yeah. time as well. So, yeah, there were some good riders around that time. Um, Mitch Aiken's another one of those... Um, for want of a better term, uh, journeyman jockeys who doesn't get many opportunities, but she's really grabbed them with both hands with the way he's been riding a Spura. Uh, is there a, a bit of a, a sense of like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to see you doing well, mate, uh, amongst you guys as well? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, he's, um, he's really, I've really backed him in there. You know, um, uh, Henry Henry Dwyer's really yeah. backed him. He obviously does a lot of work for Henry and he's had great faith in him and he's got a great rapport with that horse as well. Seems to ride it with a lot of confidence and knows it really well. So, yeah, great to see them getting the results. You'd imagine the pressure. Like one ride, you're waiting around all day 
Um, and it's make or break. Don't stuff it up because the world's going to absolutely <laughs> pile on if you do. Yeah, well, he's as you can see, he's got great rapport with that horse and executed it really well. Stayed out a little bit wider on the track mm. and, you know, was prepared to do something a little bit different but had um, great faith in his horse and they obviously know that horse strengths really well around that 1,000 metres, 1,100, and she's, um, she's in great form. No ride in the cup for you on Saturday, but if you could ride one, who would you like to jump on? Oh, I haven't got the full field in front of me, but um, I'm liking Sulcum and probably if Gold Trip goes there too. Are you a bit surprised, um, just as a, an observer with Gold Trip, are you a little bit surprised after how dynamic he was in the Turnbull? And, and the Caulfield, the Cox Plate's falling away a bit, I've got to say, with no Amelia's Jewel. Uh, Fangirl joins in. I, I don't think it is falling away. I think Who Your Mail's going really well in Sydney too. I mm. wouldn't uh, be leaving it out okay. as well. You're a bit surprised they're running Gold Trip in the Caulfield Cup, if they do run him in the Caulfield Cup and not bang into the Cox Plate? Well, a bit spoilt for choice, aren't they? They, (laughs) He could have nearly won all three last year. So um, they've got a lot of options up their sleeve. So I don't know if they're just waiting for the weather because he likes to just get his toe Mm. in the ground a little bit too. But, you know, whatever he runs in, he's going to be a great chance in. Just with your four Caulfield Cup wins, what can't you do to win? What lessons did you learn about how best... I know every race is different, but... Did you make mistakes and go, God, I can't do that in a Caulfield Cup again? What's the, are there any secrets to when they take off? And Greg Moles has always referred to the hill up the back. Do not, do not charge up the hill. Is there, For those jockeys out there who want some goat advice or, or punters, what's, are there any little clues to winning a Caulfield Cup? I think you just got to ride the race as it presents to you because every race has run a little bit different. Sometimes they go really slow. Um, other times they go fast. So it just depends on how the race sets up. Um, and just... Be confident in your horse and, and just try and give it the best ride you can. Just don't overuse it or try and get it over over racing at any time. You can get it relaxed and and then you just got to see how the races run. I don't think you can go out with a, a pre, pre-set um, idea on how you're going to ride the race. I think every race is important just to have a bit a bit of an understanding how you think the race is going to be run and then being able to adapt and, and ride, it, ride the best race you can accordingly. The gaps, do the gaps tend to come in a Caulfield Cup because it's a competitive usually strongly run 2400 I remember Jimmy Cassidy on diatribe up the inside do you have you often found that if you wait the gaps will appear or can it all shut down on you in a Caulfield Cup just like any other race once again it comes yeah. down to how the races run the yeah. tempo of the race and if they go hard they can open up a little bit yeah. if they've gone pretty steady and they sort of bunch up well then it can be a bit harder to come from from the back just what on you, Sky oh, just one more go. just sorry on Sky Heights was because I was actually doing a column with the Aldersons at the time and the year he won the Caulfield Cup, from memory he was favourite in the Melbourne Cup and he got absolutely bashed up in the Melbourne Cup that year, didn't he? What was the story there? He did, yeah. I drew an inside gate and he didn't have a lot of speed from the gate and I just remember getting um, smashed against a running rail, you know, the whole race and he just, yeah, and he just didn't cop it well at all. He didn't like it at all. Mm. Um, alligator blood on Saturday. You got to sit in his back before. Were you expecting a performance like that? I was a little surprised that there was a, a lot of pre-race talk about oh, the question marks over the 2,000 metres. Um, were you pretty confident we'd see something like that from Alligator Blood on Saturday? I wasn't. I was confident at the 2,000 metres, but then when Deny Knowledge took off mm. like it did and he was sitting second, you sometimes wonder that horse taking the field up to that leader can be a little bit vulnerable, but... You know, he's, we know how tough he is, and it probably played into his hands more so than the others because the ones that were in the second half kind of got detached, and, you know, he's so tough, and that horse took him well into the straight, and, you know, he was just too strong. He's in great form, and it was a great win again. 
Did you have a look at the Everest up in Sydney? I did, yes. Yeah. Um, yep. What do you make of the, the the Everest this year, and especially the first two home? Yeah, it was a great race and great ride by Sammy Clipperton. Just got in the perfect position on the winner, and um, we could see. I wish I win the Barrier One with probably not quite as much pace in that race that we have seen in the past, where they just bunched up a little bit, and he had a little bit of trouble getting clear. Um, but a great run by him as well, and it's um, it certainly is a great race. For some reason, he reminds me of a horse like Superimpose, who. There's a set play with him with I Wish I Win, and I I still think Barrier One went against him because I reckon he's a – I don't know. what You'd know a lot better than I would, but some horses like to see the pack in front of them and to chase him down like Super did. And, and I think I Wish I Win might be one of those horses who's got a, who's got a comfort zone. And Yeah, I think it was probably just more the tempo of that race where they didn't go breakneck speed and the fact that it was – the track was pretty firm. They didn't open up sometimes like they do when the track's a little bit softer up there. Um, but it was still a huge run, you know. I mean, he found the line like nothing else did in the race. He's still a very, you know, he's a top-class horse. We're going to have a really warm spell coming up and the, then the prediction is that we're going to have a long, hot summer. Are you a little bit cautious about how the tracks might play? Like Flemington and Caulfield, they, did, they do dry out very quickly. Do you have any concern about the ability to put the right amount of cushion in these tracks with a really hot period coming up? Yeah, well, it hasn't been that hot lately, has it? We had well, that... the next few days are <laughs> yeah. going to be spicy. Um, oh, look, I think we've got some great track managers here and they've they're pretty much got a good handle what they've got to do to prepare these tracks well, so I, I, would, I would think they'd be prepared well. Right. A couple of SMSs just to round things out here. Um, this is an interesting one. Why are there not many races named after jockeys? We've got a lot of committee members, some trainers, a lot of horses, but not a lot of jockeys. Oh, I think that's a fair enough. Um, I think there's a few. We've got the Bobby Lewis, the Roy Higgins. Um, Harry White's got one. Yeah. Okay, fair so, enough. Yeah, no, but you, they're probably no right. Modern day, um, there's no um, Glenn Boss. There's no um, Darren Beedman. Uh, Shane Dye. Could you mention the Shane Dye? That Imagine if you got one named after you, but it was like a, the Damien Oliver zero to 58. <laughs> <laughs> Would you rather not have it? <laughs> uh, Ollie, Ollie forgot. He swore after Doremus won the cup as well. No, I don't know if I did after Doremus. Oh, okay. no. uh, G-Train's got a question for you. Damien, have you got a Melbourne Cup ride yet? Uh, I've been to every Melbourne Cup day at Flemington. I'm going with 10 mates this year, and I want to see you on a Cup ride uh, this year. Is there any No, I haven't got one yet. I, I hope I can get one, but the weight scale is going to be pretty light yeah. there once again. So fingers crossed. But um, Any irons in the fire? Uh, not, not, nothing definite at this stage, but um, just hoping, yep. Yeah, it, and it's getting... It's narrowing a bit where it's getting harder and harder to imagine now, isn't it? Mm, yeah. Mm, yep. Unless right. we do a little uh, Tonya Harding on a few of your riders. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get these weight scales a bit higher. They're just yeah. too light. Exactly yeah, right. Yeah. Um, outside of um, – you've got – I think you've got Japanese Emperor tomorrow, haven't you? Yep. Yeah. Um, yep. Can He's he, got good ability, that Can horse, he bounce back? He? Yeah, they put the blinkers on him. So I, hope, I worked him the other morning. He's worked well on the blinkers. So hopefully we can see an improvement in him. Uh, anything on Saturday? Uh, you put me on the spot. I've got him in front of me now. Um, just bear with me. He's you. a man of the moment, Falgate. He <laughs> thinks right. only about the well, moment. Uh, while you're only looking, about the next. Well, you're looking at uh, Greg Hall's just sent in a text message saying, "Where's the Greg Hall race?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. That's true. But I think there will be a, a well. There is a Damien Oliver race in Perth, of course. Well, this is I don't it, know yes. whether a one-off or not. And it, yeah, yeah. Um, so I've got Lofty Strike on Saturday. Oh, how's yep. he going? Have you Good. been on his back? Yeah, trialed him um, yesterday. He went well. Um, what else have we got there? That's an interesting one, Lofty Strike, because it's been Mott, 
who was the other jock who got on lofty? Um, Craig knew it was riding Froggy. Yep. And how did you come into the picture there? Well, I actually, would you believe it? I tri- I was trialling him before he had his first start. Right. And um, quite liked him, but I was doing a lot of riding for Godolphin at the time, so I was a bit more committed to them. Um, so I had to stick with them. Um, but yeah, he's going well. And um, that's a gun ride. Yeah, expecting yeah. to run well. Yeah. And Don't Arkansas kid as well in yeah. the in the Gothic. Yeah, and I know they've got a big rap on Arkansas kid, uh, kid as you do, uh, Ollie. Always great to have you here throughout the spring carnival. Uh, well done on picking up those big race rides and good luck during Cup Week. Thanks for having us, guys.